Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kareens. We are in Ephesians, uh, studying the book of Ephesians. If you're new uh, this week, just visiting, we did the installment number one last week, and we talked about a couple things that I'll get to in just a minute. We're going to do a little bit of a recap before we move forward, but uh, I want to say something, because Paul wrote this, this book, Ephesians, to a group of brand new Jesus followers to a, a church um, in Ephesus, and they were a young just brand new Jesus following community that was growing and expanding. And it's a lot like what Access is doing. We're growing and we're expanding. And, and matter of fact, we uh, were growing uh, to the extent where we had to place a brand new, another row all the way in the back. So that's awesome. Yeah, we can give God praise for that. That's amazing. Um, but I tell you that because we never want people to come here and feel like it's too packed for them to, to, to come and, and have a seat. So you see that we have seats open. So go invite some people. All right. Bring them, in, bring them next Thursday, bring them the following Thursday, whatever. We just want to make them feel as welcome as possible. So now, back to the story. Last week, we talked about two huge God truths that Paul is literally, he communicated to the church at Ephesus, and it had to do with justification and adoption. And they were two ginormous biblical godly truths about who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, the riches that we have in Christ, And the first three chapters of this book are absolutely so deep, they're so rich, they're so stinking good that every single week, I believe, is just going to get better and better and better. So we've got eight weeks to unpack all of this. And honestly, it's not going to be a verse-by-verse study. So if you're, you know, somewhat of a Bible scholar and you love the book of Ephesians and there's some stuff that I don't get to, I'm not going to get to everything because honestly, if I took a verse-by-verse uh, a study of the book of Ephesians, we'd probably be in Ephesians for the next year. It's that deep and it's that rich, but we only have eight weeks to do it. So I want to get done uh, by the time we hit March because then we got to transition. We got to keep moving forward into some other things that I believe that uh, God has for us in the future. So last week, Ephesians chapter one, bit of a recap. How many of you know, and tonight I was thinking about this message um, you know, I played sports growing up, but I also had teachers, you know, outside of the sports realm. So I had teachers and coaches that would always communicate things like over and over and over and over and over. And they would just drill things so that it became second nature, part of your nature. Does that make sense? Anybody know what I'm talking about in the room? We, uh, and that's what I feel like Paul is doing in Ephesians. It feels like even this, this, this talk that we're going to have tonight from what Paul gives us in the second chapter is going to be, it's going to be a little bit different, but it's almost going to be the same. It's going to be, we're going to actually unpack and talk about everything that we just sang about. Give it up for our worship team, by the way. Wasn't that an amazing set? Um, so thankful for them. But I feel like Paul is just so enamored with a few certain Bible, biblical, godly truths that in chapter one and chapter two, it's interesting because he almost, it's like he almost starts over again. So everything that we talked about last week, he kind of talks about it in a little bit different light in chapter two, but he just keeps hammering on the same things. And interesting, as I was studying this, is that in chapter one, verses one through 13 in the Greek, in the original language that Paul wrote this in, is actually one long drag on sentence, like without a breath. He's just talking about, you have justification and adoption and all these things, and God did this, and God did this, and then Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the same thing happens in chapter two. Chapter two, verses one through 10, which is what we're gonna read here shortly, the same thing in the Greek. It's just this one 
run on long sentence. You know, I have, my kids will come to Lindsay and I and, 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 you know, my son especially will come to us and it's like without a breath, he tries to get, hey, what'd you do? You know, sometimes you get so excited about something. You ever been so excited that you just tried to tell somebody and then by the time you got done, you were talking so fast about everything that's good going on in your life and then you're like, man, I'm throwing up. I need to shut up. Like that's kind of what Paul is doing in chapter one and chapter two. So back to chapter one. Verse four and five, I only want to share with you two scriptures from last week, brief reminder, and then we're going to move on. Verse four says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Last week's message title was chosen. God has chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now he's talking about justification. You remember justification from last week? Come on, people. Are you guys alive tonight? Because we're going to be talking about being alive tonight. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. He's saying we are in God's sight. Because of Jesus Christ, we are holy and without fault in his eyes. That's how God sees you because he sees you in Christ. And Christ is holy, spotless, and without fault. So now, if you said yes to Jesus, to following him, and you've received what he purchased for you that you couldn't purchase for yourself. It's just as if, justified, just as if you never did any wrongs because God sees you in Jesus Christ. Huge godly truth. And, and this is God's reality. And remember, God's reality must become our reality because then we will change. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did. Come on, somebody. Verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's talking about adoption. And remember, if we don't get this into our hearts that God chose you, he adopted you into his own family because you've been justified. Now you get to enter into his family and become his son, become his daughter. And now you have access to God anytime you want because of Jesus Christ. And if we don't get that one, that one truth, you know what might happen to us? is we might just become legalistic, church-going rule followers who become the meanest people in the world. But here's what I do know. People who really truly understand that biblical term adoption become sons, daughters, and friends of God. And that's the goal, friends, <laughs> is that we all become sons, daughters, and friends of God. Amen? And he, this is what he wanted to do. It goes on and says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we tackled those two truths last week, but now it's time to jump over to chapter two. Paul, is, this is so interesting. So he goes through this, right? And then he ends the chapter with a prayer. He prays for the, the church at Ephesus, and then chapter two begins. And it's interesting to me where he kind of goes, because it's almost like he's telling us these, these huge astronomical, biblical, godly truths about who we are, what we have in Christ, and then all of a sudden he like reverts back and he goes back to, and he starts talking about who we used to be. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, Paul, why in the world would we want to talk about who we used to be? I'm only, I don't know about you, but I don't like talking about the old me. I like focusing on and talking about the new me, the new me, the new creation that I am in Christ Jesus, but this is what he does. And so in verse one, this is how it starts off. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons or children of disobedience. Verse three, among whom we all, say we all, Say louder than that. We all. We all. 
We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, by nature, we were children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. This sounds harsh, doesn't it? See, this is interesting, though, because in verses 1 through 10, it's broken up into two subsections, verses 1 through 3, and this is uh, typical of, of somebody like Paul in ancient times. They used to, when they were going to make a big point, they would, they would argue from lesser to greater. In other words, they would start with the lesser truth, and then they would transition into a bigger truth, okay? So he just told us a lesser truth about who we used to be, and then verse 4, he transitions to the greater truth, and it says this, but God, but God. Come on, somebody, say but God with me. It's okay to say that. And every single time we see a but God, you remember this from last week, or a yet God or a but God in Scripture, he's about to drop a God bomb or a big God truth on us. He goes on, he says this, but God, being rich in mercy, and that word in the Greek actually means filthy rich. But God, being filthy rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. You had nothing to do with it. It is a gift from God, not a result of your good works so that none of us can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Somebody say amen. amen. And let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have remaining together. God, thank you for bringing us all here. Jesus, you know that you're the reason that we are here. We are not here for the worship. We're not here for, for, for me. It's just we just want to hear more about you, God. We want to learn more about you. But God, may I just pray that you would somehow, some way in your sovereignty, make this time that we have together and the words that come out of my mouth tonight, God, that you would make it more than information, more than knowledge, God, that it would go past all of that and that it would become an experience and an encounter with you, Father. And I just pray that as soon as we're done, God, that by the time this is all over with, the next 30, 35 minutes together, I just pray that we all are more in love with your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. We all together said? Amen. Amen. Now, all of us at some time or another have had a sickness or an illness or a problem, something that we needed to get help with, and we've gone to a physician at some point in time to help remedy that, right? Get a prescription, get out of the sickness, get out of the pain. Well, my wife and I, um, we have three children, as many of you know. Uh, I've got Brendan, Riley, and Bodie, who's over here dead asleep while I'm speaking because babies do that, which is absolutely incredible. Um, but he's wearing Michigan, just so you know. His, his brother's a state fan, but he's wearing Michigan attire. Praise God. We've got another Michigan fan in the family. A house divided will not stand. Jesus said it. I'm just saying. So our daughter, our middle child, Riley, was born with Down syndrome. Uh, 
with Down syndrome comes some other complications many times. And a lot of times, some of the complications come with their ears, nose, and throat, as well as other muscular issues that take place. But in our daughter in particular, um, she, she struggles, and she has struggled literally um, for the last, I don't know, probably really since she was born, but we didn't really figure it out until she was about two years old, that um, her ears would get plugged up. And, and any time that she caught like a common cold that you and I were, would catch, for whatever reason, she wasn't able to just, just kick the cold. And even though time would pass, and you know, for you and I, it would just come and go after maybe a week or two weeks tops. Well, for her, it would just get worse and worse because what happens in, because her ear canals, because of the Down syndrome, her ear canals are um, extremely, they're, they're basically pinched and they're smaller than normal. So what happens is you get a common cold and then it goes to sinuses and then when you get you know, some fluid buildup in there, for you and I, uh, or somebody with proper ear canals, that, that fluid will just kind of drain out and, and then you'll, you're able to kick the cold. Well, with Riley, because her ears are so, uh, her ear canals are so tight, when she gets these common colds and the fluid does go to her sinuses, it doesn't drain out and then she ends up with a lot of ear infections and many times, I can't even count how many double ear infections she's had. And this has been going on over and over and over and over for the last five years and I can't tell you, and I'm just, you know, we, we were talking about this together and it seems like, and, and this is not an exaggeration, we've been to the doctor literally at least once a month, if not more, for the last five years with this particular situation. It's just, it's been really horrible. And, you know, every condition, you know, can, can be written a prescription, but the reality is, is that we need a cure. We need a cure for some of our conditions, don't we? Right? And that's the title of my message tonight, by the way, it's the cure. And, and so we would go to the doctor and, and, by, and before I get to the doctor point, I got to tell you something else, because here's what it would also affect. It, it would affect her hearing, extremely, uh, uh, her, her hearing is actually extremely poor due to the issues that she has with her ear canals. And, and so even her school teachers would send us notes home like, Riley wasn't listening again today. And, you know, they might have been yelling or, or, or kind of giving her instructions from afar and thinking that she was just ignoring them. And so that's what we literally thought too, because we'd be at home and Riley is a master and a guru on the iPad. I mean, she's unbelievable on this thing and she's always, always, always had that thing on full blast volume. I'm talking about 100% at all times and it gets so loud. Those things are so loud, you know, and we're trying to, you know, do other things, watch TV and it just gets super annoying. So we would say, Riley, Turn that down. I mean, I would even come over, and just earlier this week, I had to come over to the table. She's on her pink iPad. She's got a little pink case, you know, and I'm saying she's all girl. And, and, and I said, Riley, turn that thing down. And she won't turn it down. So I've got to literally come over and physically turn it down. And so I'll turn it all the way down till it hits about 50% or so, right? And then what does she do? As soon as, and then I look at her and say, don't you do it, girl. <laughs> just like that. Literally, don't do it. Don't do it. And then I'll walk away like this. And you know what she does? Bang! And it goes all the way back up. Or then she'll take her iPad and physically leave the room and go into the bathroom, lock the door so that she can have it jamming. And when she goes into our bathroom door, it actually gets louder. It like echoes through. I don't know. It's like reverberating off of the walls and stuff. It gets louder and louder. And it's just, oh, so annoying. But I'm, I love her so much that... You know, love covers a multitude of things. And, and, <laughs> and 
where am I going with this, honey? I gotta land this plane sometime. And, and, and so, so this, is, this has been a reality, though, for us literally for the last five years. And so it's affected her hearing. It's affected her speech. And we've got a gal here, Michelle, who actually works uh, with Riley, and she comes to our house, you know, or out in the community, wherever we're at, baseball games, basketball games, whatever it might be, and she helps with Riley. She kind of helps us to reach Riley's IEP goals or goals that we set in school, like to get potty trained, to, 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 to talk better, to uh, listen more, to, to hear, and then to obey, things like that. And we've seen, we've seen improvements, but there's still been something wrong. Because here's what happened. Over the last five years, we've been to the doctor at least once a month, and here's what the pediatrician would tell us even out of the gates five years ago. Well, you know, this is really kind of typical for kids and children with Down syndrome. Their ear canals are, you know, they're a lot smaller and tighter than normal uh, human beings. And I hate when they say that. <sighs> She's a human being. Come on, somebody. Amen. And... Anyways, I'm going to get off that because, yeah, preach, yeah. Where was I? The ear canals and normal people. I could preach on that for a while, but I'm going to let it go. Her ear canals don't allow the fluid to release, and, and, and so what happens is the ear infections keep coming, and they keep coming, and keep coming. So we went to the doctor, and then the doctor said, well, I've got a prescription for you. Here's some Omnicef. Here's Omnicef. Here's Omnicef. And so here's what we would do. We take the Omnicef. We go to Walgreens. We get the Omnicef. We go home, and then Riley's now got to take Omnicef once a day for 10 days. And, and, and by the way, this, this prescription that is going to you know, get rid of the, uh, the ear infections also ends up causing like diarrhea you know, about day four, day five. So you have other issues that come along with it, okay? And, and this prescription just keeps coming. And 10 days later, okay, hopefully her ear infections are gone and we can move on. But the reality is, is that we were just delaying the inevitable because we kept ending up back at the doctor's office. The doctors would look on their, on their charts and their computers and say, oh my gosh, you guys have been here a lot this year. You guys have been here more than normal. You know, you guys shouldn't be here this much. What is going on? Well, Riley has another ear infection, or she's got a double ear infection. Here's more Omnicef. Here's more Omnicef. Just keep giving her Omnicef. And we just, for the last five years, that's been our life. Listen, Riley didn't need another prescription. She needed a cure. She needed something to con cure, you know, cure the condition, cure the condition of her ears so that she could do life differently, so that she could hear better, take instructions better, that she could enunciate better, that she could vocalize and verbalize what was in her heart. Because you know people that can't hear, have you ever heard how they talk? It, it's difficult for them to talk and to enunciate and to vocalize, and that's exactly what's been happening with my daughter. I mean, it was so bad to the point that I could go up into her room, and she's all girl, right? And she's playing in this big play set that we've got in her room, and she's got a little horse stable with a horsey and a little girl that rides on the horse. And by the way, my daughter rides horses and she vaults. It's awesome. Stands up on horses by herself. She's, she's amazing. She's fearless, and I love that about her. And I can go up literally into her room and she'll be five feet away from me, playing with her dollhouse, playing with her horsey, and I could literally be five feet away from her and say her name like this with her back towards me, say, Riley, Riley. 
Riley, and I'm constantly checking because I want to know if she's hearing better, if her ear canals are doing better. And she wouldn't hear a lick, wouldn't turn around, and then I'd have to raise my voice. Riley, and as soon as I did that, boom, her head would swivel around. She'd see that daddy was in the room, and she knew that I was there. So I knew that she had hearing problems, right? So then we go get her hearing tested, what, six months ago? And they do all these hearing tests and say, yeah, she's plugged up. She's not hearing good. She's like, you know, don't know if it's hearing loss yet. And, and so then we found out that there was a cure. The pediatrician told us that many times they, as they get older and they grow older and grow up and get bigger, that it could just heal itself. So that's what we were hoping for. We did not want her to go under anesthesia and have this small surgery of getting tubes put in her ears. Who wants to do that with their child, right? She's already had heart surgery. She's had a, you know, dental surgery where she's had to be put under and stuff pulled out. And, you know, so we're just hoping, hoping and hoping. And all the while we're just giving prescriptions, more Omnicef, more Omnicef, more Omnicef. Hearing test gets done, and then we find out that there is a cure, that if she was to get ear tubes put in her ears, that the ear tubes would not only cure the ear infection issue, but that she would also be able to hear better. And because she was able to hear better, she could speak better. There was a cure. And yesterday, at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9.55, huh? No, she went into surgery at nine, girl. I was there. 8.55, Riley got her cure. And I got some pictures I wanted to show you guys. There she is in her little tiger jammies that they give you at the hospital. And this is before she goes in, right? And... Uh, Keep going, guys. You can keep showing them now. And yeah, isn't she, isn't she absolutely adorable and just gorgeous, right? What's up, girl? Hey. She's a, she's a ham bone on, on photos here. And then, so she, she was done with her tiger jammies, and then she wanted her frozen robe with her frozen booties on, right? Because she wanted to be warm. And then this gal, you know, from the hospital gave her uh, her own iPad to use, and because her iPad was bigger than Riley's pink iPad, I mean, come on, some of you like bigger TVs than smaller TVs, you know, she wouldn't let this thing go, and this is right before they wheeled her off into the surgery, and uh, she went right in there, was a trooper, came right back out, and then today, my wife and uh, my son had just taken her into the doctor for a checkup to see, but, but here's the interesting thing, is that yesterday, after the surgery took place and she got the cure, and the cure had begun in her, you know, how many of you know daddy was going to do some testing at home? You know what I'm saying? So we got home, and after about three or four hours, you know, I'm, I'm Riley, and she's looking over at me. Riley, she's looking over at me. And you know what the coolest part about it was? On her little pink iPad. <laughs> Hold on a second. You know where I'm going with this? She had the volume down at 50% the whole time and never turned it up once. That has literally never happened since she's got the iPad. The cure had begun, right? The cure had begun. Then to top it off, I'm upstairs later on in the afternoon, and my Fitbit was telling me, get to stepping. So I said, yes, sir. And I got up on my elliptical machine. 
I started doing the elliptical, right? And I, I've had this little cold for like a month now. And I, I, after about 20 minutes, I get off the elliptical and I'm coughing. <coughs> you know, just a little cough. It wasn't even loud. And I'm all the way upstairs. My daughter's all the way downstairs at the kitchen table. And my wife yells up, Riley just said, God bless you. She thought I sneezed and heard me from all the way upstairs and she's all the way downstairs. I'm thinking, yeah, this is good, right? The cure has begun. And so we were interested to see, you know, today when she went to school, what her teachers were going to say. And so my wife picked her up from school today and the teachers came out and said, oh my gosh, we, we noticed a significant change already. She's listening to us. She can hear us. I feel so bad. And now we're five years in and here we are. We're like, dude, we should have done this like five years ago. Part of me is so upset that I'm not getting daddy of the year and she's not getting daddy of the year. <laughs> Mommy, <laughs> I'm so sorry, honey. <laughs> but the reality is, is I'm so thankful today, though. I am so thankful today. I was talking with some people earlier, but I'm just so thankful that the cure has taken place and I am seeing change in my daughter, and we're expecting that change to continue. And she went for a checkup with the doctor today, and the doctor said, everything looks amazing, and it looks great, and we're just thinking, thank you, Lord. Where am I going with all this? I'm going somewhere. Let's go back to Ephesians, verse 1, chapter 2. Paul describes a condition that we were all in. And he says this, and you were dead. You and I were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. Listen to me, friends. We were all sick. We all had a condition, and it was this. We were dead, but some of you are like, hold on a second. No, I was breathing. I'm, you know, physically, he's not talking about a physical death here. Do you want to know what this word death really means? It means that you were all, and I included, we were all desensitized to the things of God before we knew Jesus. We were all desensitized to the things of God before we knew Christ. You had no passion for God. I had no desire to know God. All I wanted to do was go out and party and have a good time. How about you? And he, he describes our condition, and he's describing this condition in verses 1 through 3, and then he's going to get to the good part, because we needed a cure for that condition. We were all desensitized to God. We were all separated from God and needed a solution. More importantly, needed a Savior. In which you once walked, verse 2, following the course of this world. What the heck does that even mean? Following the course of this world. All that means is that you and I, when we were dead, pre-Christ, we followed the norms of culture. Whatever culture dictates as normal, that's what you and I did. And can we just agree on something tonight? That culture is ridiculously good at making good things look bad and making bad things look good. Let me say it a different way. Culture is extremely good at making godly things seem weird. Are you with me? 
Holy things seem strange, foreign, and alien. Come on, somebody. Now, you know, I remember a story, you know, and you may hear things like this being, you know, uh, spoken to you by culture. What are you, what, what? You're a virgin? You are a virgin? You're saving yourself to get married and you're how old? You're in your 20s and you decided to save yourself for your spouse. Who does that? That is weird. That is strange. That's what culture would say. You don't want to know how I know? Because that was me. When I was dead in my sins, dead in the trespasses, I was desensitized to the things of God, I can tell you that I remember being with the Detroit Lions in the locker room, and I'm telling you, I'm not going to give you his name, but his locker was right next to me. Guy was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, could have had any woman he wanted, anything he wanted, money could have bought him anything. The guy was on top of the world, virgin. And there was another guy right next to him who would come in, and I remember him coming in, and he'd tell us all about his sexual escapades like the night before. Man, oh, yeah, my masseuse and I, you know, just like vivid detail. And we're like, man, shut up. Nobody wants to hear about this. But then this one guy, this one guy decided and chose in a culture, in a society that says that you're weird, man. And by the way, I thought that it was weird because I was dead to the things of God. And here's this guy, sensitive to the things of God, sensitive to God's way of doing things, and says, yes, I'm gonna hold out and I'm gonna wait for my spouse. In the midst of a culture that says that's weird, that's alien, that's foreign, why would you do that? I remember being with guys and we tried to hook this guy up with girls. I tried to influence this guy. This is me. saying, he's weird. And by the way, people would talk about him behind his back. I was one of them. I remember coming back from the training camps after I got cut. Man, they cut me. I'm still hurt. <laughs> That's funny, you guys. You can laugh. I remember coming back home, talking to my buddies, and everybody's like, man, what was it like? How was it? You know, and then they would ask, how is so-and-so? What's he like? And I'd be like, man, he's a virgin, man. That's like... Yeah, I know, it's rough, right? But that's how I was. I'm just trying to be brutally honest here, right? Listen, culture will tell you, just do you, man. You just do you. You follow all your passions and all your desires. Just do you, and you're gonna be fine. How many of you know that that is absolute crap? What they are shoveling, what they are telling us. Listen, but that, this used to be me because I was desensitized to the things of God and I was following the ways and cultural norms. Can we just agree on so, Listen, if, if, if the cultural norms right now are actually working, sign me up. Sign me up right now. Sign me up, I'm in. But can we just agree for one moment in time, right now in this room, that none of it is working. None of it is working. God's ways still work. God's ways are still good. Amen. He is for you, not against you. 
He instituted things so that we could be more free, not so that we could live under more law. The more we obey God, the more free we get, but we believe the opposite because of what culture tells us and dictates in our life. There is nothing weird. I see it so completely different now. There is nothing weird and there is nothing strange about somebody who has saved themselves for marriage. Absolutely nothing weird about that or strange, man. I, I've, I've, I've had two couples that I've had the opportunity to marry. One I'm, I'm, I'm marrying this year, and they've maintained purity sexually, have still not had sex. And I just, when I meet with them, I'm like, come on, you're going to make it, and God's going to reward it, and sex is going to be amazing, and you don't need to worry about what anybody else tells you. You just keep going. Don't worry if anybody's talking about you behind your back. You keep going, boy. You go, girl. Make it. Get there. And by the way, everyone else, you know, everyone else in the room that's screwed up in that area, listen, I, you know that I'm not giving you shame or any of that. I'm not throwing that on you because you know where I came from. Listen, don't forget that we are holy and without fault and without blame if you are in Christ Jesus. And he can make you a born-again virgin if you want. All I'm just saying. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can maintain purity. And every single one of us that have got it wrong, we're cheering for you, man. We're cheering for you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. It's not weird. It's not alien. It is not foreign. It is godly, and it is good, and it is great, and God is going to reward it in the end. Come on, somebody. Say amen to that. Paul is telling us, and he's describing exactly how we used to live, but he's helping us understand. He's helping all of us understand that we needed a cure and not more omnisef. Come on, somebody. We don't need no, no more worldly omniself. You know what the worldly omniself looks like? Go down to Barnes & Noble. They got a whole section on self-help books. Seven ways to a better you. Ten ways to live life to the full, man. It's worldly omniself. And if you want that, go to a motivational seminar. But that is not what we preach here. That is not what, what Paul is preaching to the church at Ephesus. And here's what happens when you go down that road. So many people just start to think to themselves, oh man, and they have a realization like we all do, just like the prodigal son did. Man, something is wrong with me. Something is wrong deep down inside of me. I seem to end up at a dead end no matter what I do because when I do what I do, I end up in problem after problem after problem. I end up back at the doctor office time and time and time again because the world will prescribe you all sorts of stuff. Just like the doctor prescribed us Omnicef after Omnicef after Omnicef, and then you realize that it doesn't actually work. It seems like it's working for a minute, but it doesn't work because it's a temporary solution to a very, very eternal problem that nothing in this world can solve. He's describing our condition, and so what people do is they, they get to this place, they hit a dead end, they screw up, and, and, and their actions and their choices lead them to a place of thinking, oh my God, I gotta go to church. Oh God, I gotta get back to church. Because if I go to church and I pray harder and I read some more Bible, and if I just get on my knees, you know, if I do all those things, maybe God will give me grace to get through the week. 
and give me a little spiritual pat on the back and say, well done. That's really what we think. It's prescriptions, it's religion, it's stupid. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. No amount of, this can, uh, of that stuff can cure what is wrong with us. <laughs> and this is what Paul's saying, man, you were dead. You were desensitized, you know it. You know deep down that something is wrong with you and you can't fix yourself because you tried fixing yourself, I tried fixing myself, we all tried fixing ourselves. How did it work out for you? Didn't work. It didn't work. We don't need more of the world's omniscience. We need more of God's grace. We were dead. We were desensitized to the things of God, making it impossible to please him, and it was impossible for us to relate to God when we were dead. Then verse four comes. But... God. Yeah, I yelled it. But God, and I'm, I should just stop right there, call the worship team back up here and stop the service because God butted in and said, I've got something else planned for you. You were dead, but God who is rich in mercy. Come on, somebody, this is good because somebody shout but God again, come on. Like if, but God, not but you, not but you, not but her, not but him, not but my daddy, but my mama, my cousin too, <laughs> not but anybody, but God, rich in mercy, because of the great love, listen, that's it, because of love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. The message that we preach, literally, friends, it is not a message of good to great. Jesus did not come to this planet so that bad people would become good. He did not come to this planet so that good people would become better or that better people would become their best. That is not scripture. That is not what we preach. Listen to me, Jesus came to make dead people alive. Do you know what it means to be alive in Jesus Christ? Let me simply tell you as simply as I simply can. Why did I say that, Nick? That was so stupid. But listen, let me put it simple to you. I'm a simple man. <laughs> oh, you guys kill me. You've become alive to God in Christ Jesus. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? Have you ever wondered that? Man, am I truly saved? I think I am. But I don't know. Ever wondered that? You want to know how you know? You've become sensitive to the things of God. That's it. It's quite simple. You've become sensitive to the things of God. And don't you forget what I told you about my daughter. The cure had begun in her just yesterday. And at home, 
I can now go up into my baby girl's room while she's playing with her little dolly set and her little horsey. I call it a horsey. It's just a horse. <laughs> playing with her horse. <laughs> with her back to me. But now because the cure has begun in her, I can walk into that same room, have her back turned to me five feet away, and here's what I can do. In a still, small voice, I can say, Riley... And now she hears me. Hmm. You guys getting what I'm throwing down? You were once desensitized to the things of God, but now in Christ you've, made, you've been made alive. You've become sensitive to the things of God. He made us alive together with Christ. Do I have any fans of the Chronicles of Narnia up in here. Steve is still thinking about it. I think I read that in elementary school like 12 years ago, right? <laughs> Somebody got that, thank you. Chronicles of Narnia, though, we're, we're familiar with it, right? They came out with some movies about it and all that. But I remember being a kid. My wife, you know, they read this in school as well. And I'm going to finish on this. I'm going to land the plane, and we're going to deboard, if you will, and go on with our lives. And Miss Erica is going to join me up here, and she's going to play the keys. And when she does, it's going to feel really spiritual, and you're going to love it. <laughs> and it makes me feel wonderful. When I have keys playing behind me, I tell our team all the time, there's just something about it. I just like it when you guys get up there and play keys behind what I'm saying. But it's not many more godly, I'm just saying, you know, it's really not. Just got to get the mood right. With you later, baby, just you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, only married folk can talk like that, people. See, that's one of the, one of the nice things about marriage. Chad and Alex, but you're going to make it. You're going to, you got to make it first, son. All right. Okay. <laughs> Don't put the cart before the horse, as they say. <laughs> oh, this is getting out of control. I don't even know what I'm talking about. You guys enjoying this? All right. Ephesians is ridiculous, isn't it? In a good way. Some of you are like, not sure what to say about that yet. So Chronicles of Narnia, yeah, that's where I was. There was a, one of the books that C.S. Lewis wrote was called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Come on, somebody. There was a young man in this story, and his name was Eustace. Remember Eustace? Eustace now was a young man who, uh, was very selfish because of his nature. He was selfish, he was greedy, and he was all about himself. And in the book, uh, what happens, the Don Treader is actually a, a ship, and they, they set sail, and they kind of make these pit stops at different, uh, different islands, if you will, and they stop at one island in particular, okay? And Eustace gets off, and he finds himself in this, like, dragon's lair, and he finds this treasure, and 
he doesn't, what he doesn't do is he doesn't go and tell his friends about it. He, he, he decides to keep it all to himself, right? Greedy, selfish, all these things. Well, he ends up taking a nap and he wakes up from this nap and then he sees his reflection in some water and realizes that somehow he's turned into a dragon, right? And he thinks it's pretty cool at first. I mean, he's like testing it out. You know, this is pretty sweet. I'm, I'm, I'm digging this. But there's some drawbacks to, to, to becoming a dragon. One is, is that he lost his friends. His friends didn't know that he became a dragon, right? And so he became alone. He became disconnected from life as he knew it. And he became isolated. And he came to the realization like, man, how did I end up like this? What is wrong with me? I don't want this anymore. I want to be changed back into that little boy Eustace that I used to be. And, and, and so what he does is... He decides to start trying to rip off his scales with, with the claws, his dragon claws. So he starts taking his claws and he's ripping off these scales and he's ripping them off. And then one layer's getting off and it seems like it's working, it's working, you know, it's a prescription, it's omniself, you know. He's, yep, it's working, it's working. But then layer after layer after layer, and finally he realizes that I can't do this, I can't fix myself. And then Aslan who's the lion in the book, who's the king of Narnia, says, Eustace, you're going to have to let me do that for you. So Eustace lays down on his back, and Aslan, the lion, the king, comes over, and he starts shredding off these dragon skills and it's painful and the process took a long time and it's, it's hurting him and it, and it stunk, right? But then all of a sudden, by the time he's done, Eustace is a little boy again. And I love how C.S. Lewis finishes this story. He, he wrote this and I, want to, I wanted to read it to you guys tonight because I just think it's that good. I love what the book says about this, this particular event. He writes this, it says, it would be nice and fairly nearly true to say that from that time forth, Eustace was a different boy. But to be strictly accurate, he began to be a different boy. He had relapses. There were still many days when he could be very tiresome. That's British lingo for a punk. There were times when he could be a punk. But most of those, and he's talking about the days when he was getting it wrong, the days that he, was, he, he blew it. But most of those I shall not notice. The cure had begun. I came to tell some people tonight that the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah has begun a good work in you. The cure, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, the cure in you has begun. Has there been relapses? Oh, yeah. Has it been tough? Absolutely. Will there be habits to unlearn and to undo in this process of the sanctification of your soul? Big Bible term, I know it. But that just means your soul getting more free and more free and wounds healed and healed and healed. And that process takes a long time. Is that going to take a long time? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it going to be painful? Yes. But the cure has begun in you. Because life has taken root in your soul. 
You have gone from death to life in Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you've been contemplating, do I say yes to Jesus? Why not? Why wait? Why spend another moment in death when you can have life and become sensitive to your creator who knows you better than you know yourself? So here's what I say to you. Just make the decision. You don't need me to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you up to the stage or have you raise your hand. You don't have to go anywhere. Listen, all you need to do is believe. Believe in what Jesus did. Confess that he is your Lord. And if you mean it in your heart, God knows your heart. And he will take you from death to life. Don't don't wait another night. Don't wait another day. You make that decision. If you're still exploring God, Jesus, the Bible, great. If you haven't noticed, we love the Bible here. We don't love the Bible as much as we love Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, but we love the Bible here because it preaches Jesus, if you haven't noticed. And I'm all about preaching Jesus. For the rest of us, I want to share something with you before we go and before I close out because this is amazing. He tells us, he gives us this portrait and this beautiful picture of how we've gone from death to life. Life has taken up root in us. We are now alive in Christ. And then it goes on and it says, for by, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's four good works which God has prepared for each and every single one of us that we may walk them out and live them. And by the way, that's your destiny. Our destiny will be fulfilled if We go from death to life and we start doing the good works that God has for us, that he planned for us before the foundation of the world. Only he knows the plans and purposes that he has for your life. And you're the only one. If you come into life, you can connect with God and you can hear God. You can become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and his promptings. And you can get on the path to your destiny. Come on, somebody. So he says all this in verse 10, right? I want to read to you verse 11. And I want to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. I just love how it breaks it down. It says this. This is what Paul's saying. So don't forget. Don't forget how far you've come. (laughs) That is such a good word. Don't you dare forget how far you've come. Don't forget what you used to be like and where you are now. You've come a long ways since that dead part of you. And you can celebrate, by the, can we just celebrate that tonight, people, that we are not where, where we used to be, that life has taken root inside of us, and because of that, we've come a long ways. He goes on, I love what he says, look at you now, everything is new, and he's not talking about your external circumstances, he's not talking about your bank account, because Lord knows you need help in that category. Come on, people. He's not talking about that, though. He's talking about an internal reality. And when something becomes a reality on the inside, things externally just seem to change. And that's what he's reminding of. Look at you now. Everything is new. You are found complete in the faith of Jesus, all because of grace. What's he saying in a paraphrase? We may not be where we want to be, but thank God we are not where we used to be. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. And it's because of grace. Grace is the cure. Grace is what teaches. Don't forget this. Grace 
is what teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. Grace teaches us that. That's in Titus. Grace teaches us to say no to doing things the way that culture says is normal. Ungodly stuff. Grace is the cure. And don't you dare forget, friends, you may not look like it, you may not act like it yet, you may not smell like it yet, you may not look a whole lot like Jesus yet, but guess what? That's a lifelong journey that all of us, we don't get out of and we don't graduate from that on this side of eternity. It's a lifelong process, but the cure has begun. Somebody say amen. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cure. Thank you that the cure has begun in all of us, God. I just pray that we would continue to move forward in our life with you, God. That if we have screwed up, that if we have had relapses, God, that if we've done stupid stuff, Lord, along the way, just please, Holy Spirit, help remind all of us in this room tonight that we do belong with you and that we have been sealed by you until the day of our redemption. God, we thank you that we have been bought with a price and it was your blood. God, we thank you that we have gone from death to life and that because we've gone from death to life, we are now seated in heavenly places with you because we are in Christ. Thank you that it is finished and because it's finished, you got to sit down in heaven. That's awesome. God, I thank you that we're seated with you in heaven right now. Help us to unpack that truth, God. Speak to us over the next week, God. Give us things that you want us to do, Lord, to impact this society. Give us strength and courage not to fall into the temptations of the cultural norms that are surrounding us, God. Give us grace to say no. Thank you that your grace is literally like an ocean. Wave after wave after wave after wave of your grace is pouring over us, God. Thank you for that because it teaches us how to live godly lives. And I pray in Jesus' name right now that every person that's listening to this and every person that is in this room would become horrible at sinning. Ha, ha, ha. That's awesome. That you would become bad at sinning. I pray that for my kids. That they would be bad at sinning. And I pray that for you right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we all together say, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at ResLife in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AccessRLC.